Hi and welcome everyone to the 93rd episode of CRM Rocks. This is Marcus Allanson and today's podcast will be about the best of 2020 release wave 2. And with me today I have Diane Taylor from RSM. Diane Taylor is a Microsoft Business Applications MVP and Dynamics 365 CE pre-sales director at RSM. She's a seasoned pre-sales and implementation consultant specializing in Microsoft Dynamics 365 customer engagement 2011. Diane has been involved in solution designing, implementing, configuring and customizing several complex scenarios in various industry sectors and in like all the dynamic CE like sales, customer service, marketing, field service, project service automation and omnichannel. Diane also works with Power Platform components like Power Automate, Power Virtual Agent. You can read all about it in the bio in the show notes. Welcome back, Diane Taylor. Thank you so much, Marcus. Great to be back. How are you doing today? I am doing really well. I'm actually taking a couple of days off. So this is a nice and relaxing afternoon with you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun to spend the afternoon with like work and, and recording shows, right? I think it is. I definitely think it is. It, it's just especially because I didn't, like I said, have to work today. I was able to, you know, just uh, go through some of the topics that we're discussing today and, and very low stress levels. So that's good. And you've been everywhere in dynamics. How did yeah. you manage that? Yeah. Um, basically, when I started working in Dynamics 365, I, it, it was something that the CEO of that organization actually asked me that he said, we are going to sell Dynamics 365, or at the time it was called Dynamics CRM. He says, are you interested in doing that? And I was like, I have no idea what it is, but yes, absolutely. So at that time, it wasn't as crazy as it is today, but there was still right the modules. We still had sales, customer service, uh, marketing. So I just was able to dive in there and, and started learning about the application. And um, that's kind of how I started. So Yeah, and you've been on the show like a year ago. And now you're in business applications MVP. How did that happen? Yeah, that was kind of crazy. So before I joined RSM, which has been almost four and a half years ago, I was actually out doing the full implementations of Dynamics 365. So I was able to do the configuration, solution architecting, and then I was also able to do customer training and that type of thing. So when I started to move to the sales side of things, like you said earlier, currently I'm a pre-sales consultant, which basically means that I get to design the custom demos for our prospects. That kind of means that I'm no longer, you know, implementing solutions. I'm also no longer really interacting with the customers in regards to customer training and that type of stuff. So I kind of missed that. So I went back to doing presentations during events and stuff like that. Those are really uh, one of my favorite things to do. And then I started writing blog articles and stuff and doing videos. And um, I guess that kind of, at some particular point in time, uh, got me the nomination. And then it, it, I'm, I still have a really hard time believing that I actually uh, got the award because I, I think it is, right, everybody jokes about it, that it's such an honor because it is, it really is. 
Um, but it was just really hard to believe that I actually got it, which is still to me to this day crazy. But yeah, it's it's been it's been great. Like everything that you get in regards to support from Microsoft and being able to talk to you, my fellow MVPs, um, and uh, like I said, being able to connect with uh, the Microsoft product managers is amazing. And I've gotten so much out of it. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah. We're customers all the time. What's your last memorable customer experience as a customer? My most memorable experience, I have not been to a store except for the grocery store uh, ever since COVID has been going on. So that's been in six months now. So I'm trying to think my, the customer experience that I had most recently was I think with Amazon where I ordered something and they said it was delivered and they couldn't find it. (laughs) And they just resend me the same item, which was pretty cool. But um, it's, I guess the most memorable thing is the fact that due to COVID that everything is online now, right? Yeah. I think it was like Sachin Adela or someone that said that in the, yeah, in the spring then that those first two months was like two years worth of digitization. So everything happened and switched really fast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I do like the fact, though, that, you know, you can you can do a lot more online, not just here in the States, but also I think it's mainly for me, it's it's in Europe, because I remember even just a couple of years ago, if I wanted to order flowers for my mom, you know, because my family obviously lives in the Netherlands. And if I wanted to order flowers in the Netherlands for her, I was not able to do that because they would not, these stores would not accept an American credit card, which is pretty crazy, right? In this day and age. But I don't have those issues anymore. It was actually just her birthday on September uh, 3rd. And I was able to send her some flowers and I was just able to pay with my Amex. So that was that was pretty cool. So I think that's a, a big plus for sure. Yeah. So... If we look at the release wave, what's your most interesting topics here for the 2020 release wave 2 that's coming up in October? Oh, there are so many features and it's it's really hard for me to to pick because Honestly, I think that Microsoft is doing such an amazing job. I do have to tell you that field service is obviously, um, you know, it feels like one of my babies because I started working with field service basically as soon as Microsoft bought it from field one and then they started using it in Dynamics 365. Uh, I also know a lot of those those guys from the Microsoft site that deal with field service. So think about Ben Vollmer or Dan Gidler. Um, they're really, really great guys. So one of the... I think one that's going to make a really big difference is definitely functional locations. So functional locations really allow us to use that, that exactly that, right? That actual functional location without having to use account records in Dynamics 365. You're still going to have, obviously, your service account, right? Where that, that work is taking place. But now you can actually set up these locations, these physical locations or physical areas where the work is taking place, right? So think about, you know, your location might be the account name is a datum corporation and a datum corporation has a lobby, a first floor, a second floor. And on the second floor, they have uh, maybe a conference room and it's actually in the conference room where something needs to be fixed. So by using those functional locations, we can now pinpoint the actual 
physical location that are field technicians where they need to go. And you can build that out, right? That hierarchy of those locations. And then you can associate that with those service accounts. So I think that is really, really uh, a great, a great way to uh, to use that with field service. And on top of that, you can then also use your assets and tie them to those functional locations. So think about, right, you might have uh, a shredder that is in the mail room that needs to be fixed. So your functional location would be the mail room and then your customer asset might be the shredder or you could have an HVAC unit on the roof, right? Your functional location could be the roof And then your HVAC unit is going to be your asset, which is, again, related to that functional location of roof. Pretty cool stuff. Then you have more properties on that asset as well. Yeah, absolutely. So asset properties is also a feature in uh, Dynamics 365 Field Service Release Wave 2. There wasn't a really a lot of documentation on it. I actually read about it and then I think there were just a couple of lines and I, I kind of understood the premise of it where it's exactly that, right? We're going to be able to now store data for particular asset types, right? Or, or well, particular assets. So for example, think about maybe you have an elevator as a customer asset, and maybe there are certain things that you want to store in regards to that elevator, right? Maybe uh, the weight uh, of that particular, you know, elevator or something like that. And then if you are talking about maybe um, you have a different asset that is what we said earlier, that HVAC unit, right? Maybe for that HVAC unit, you want to store different types of information, maybe what the cooling capacity is or something like that, right? So now we can set up these asset properties. And probably what most people are thinking is like, oh, are these just fields on the customer asset? No, they are not fields. They're actually a couple of different entities working together, but we're going to be able to define these properties. Like what type of data are we going to store in that? Is that a numerical value? Is it a string value? Is it a date value? Then we can tie those properties to multiple assets, right? Maybe I'm going to have, uh, you know, the last service date that I might want to use on, you know, my HVAC unit and my elevator, but not on, I don't know, my container asset or something like that, because I'm not servicing that, right? So you can tie those properties to the assets. And once you've done that, now you can actually store data against uh, those assets. It's a little bit of a complicated story, but it's, if you go to my blog, it will be uh, hopefully a little bit easier to understand. (laughs) Yeah, because most of the field service is the data that you set up right so it's yeah. not as much customization and configuration because it's it's a finished product more in this than perhaps sales oh um, absolutely and then you just have to or just <laughs> have to fill it with data so what is your products that you want to sell what is the assets properties what are the locations for your customer and of course, all your field service technicians, what they're come, um, what you're able to do. So that's really important to know if you start with field service. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I also want to mention that you can still add to that as well, right? So, for example, I was able to add the the functionality of of tracking, for example. Uh, how long something is under warranty. Um, and that's all. I also wrote a blog article about that, where I'm basically 
Because if you know field service, you know that the system can actually automatically create these assets, these customer assets, right, from a work order. If we're actually consuming or, quote unquote, using that product that's associated with the work order, we can configure that so that when we're using that product, that that customer asset will now be automatically created by the system. So I also added a little bit of functionality there so that you know, we're actually also tracking how long since that asset has been created or installed, right, or created in the system. And then we're also looking at some calculated fields where it's looking at the product entity, because I added some fields there that shows us how much, um, how many days basically uh, they are on the warranty. And like I said, with use the use of some calculated fields, we can now see whether or not something is still on their that warranty or not but yeah it's some pretty pretty cool um functionality that like you said a lot of it is already configured right a lot of it is is the way that you schedule is already configured but it doesn't mean that you can't um add to that or or change that so for example if you're looking at the code um that that is called when you for example when you're clicking that scheduling assistant right you can create your own uh code for that as well right so Yes, a lot of it is is you turn it on and you import your data and a lot of it is is already done and you can basically start using it. But I think it's great that you can also uh, expand, extend that out a little bit and add functionality to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really nice to know that it's not limiting. It's just there's a lot of functionality there. All right. And customer asset validation, what's that? So customer asset validations, and uh, this actually goes hand in hand with another feature that's related account reparenting. So today, if you create a work order and you select a, you select a customer asset field on that work order, if that customer asset is not related to the service account, you're going to get an error message. So it's currently not allowing you to use, you know, random assets that are in your system. You're, you're going to get that error. So with this feature, it actually allows you to turn off that validation. So think about scenarios where, you know, you might be a company that, you know, sells their customer assets maybe through partners, but they might not track where the actual customer asset is ending up, right? So they could be a manufacturing company selling their products through their partner, you know, through the partners or the distributors to those types of channels. And then the distributors are selling them. And again, they go somewhere else, right? So what could happen is that those end users of the asset could actually call the manufacturer when there's something wrong with that, right? So we want to be able to pick an asset that is not necessarily related to that particular uh, service account. Now, this is also where that related account reparenting functionality comes up. If you turn that on, then when you create that work order, right, you select your service account, you then select your customer asset, and maybe that customer asset does not have the same or any account related to it, right? So what the system will then do is it actually going to launch a pop-up window that says, hey, do you want this customer asset to be reparented to have the same account as a service account on this work order? So it's very, it's very nice to, to be able to very quickly do that. And again, you can just turn this on or off. If you don't want that reparenting, you're saying, you know what? 
I have this customer asset as belonging to this partner, but I still want to be able for the end user to come in and create those work orders and tie them to the asset, then you can obviously do that as well. Yeah, that that's that's a good one. So you don't have again limited to to those valid assets that you have there. Um so if we talk about work orders there, are, are there anything new there? So there are a couple of new things for, for work orders. So for example, they are there are a couple of new fields on there as well where we can track some additional information about work orders. But one thing that I that I'm kind of excited about is the new work order summary report. And that is a Power BI report directly within Dynamics 365. And you can actually access that by if you open up Dynamics 365 field service, you will see there's a new section there under it's it's analytics and insights. And there, that's where you can actually access that report. It just shows underneath their reports. And it's, it's kind of nice because I actually talked to Ben Vollmer about this a, a while ago. And I was asking him, hey, is there any way maybe at some point in time that we can get access to this report, that PBIX file, right? And he says, well, he says, I can't promise anything, but maybe, maybe we'll give you know, the end users access to this so they can kind of tweak that. So I thought that that was also a really, really big thing um, to just get up and running basically, right, with your reporting. Yeah, and he is basically Mr. Field Service. He's Mr. Field Service, yes. Ben's a great guy. Yeah. Um, So if we're trying to go up and see, are there any generic improvements to, let's see, do we call that then the power platform then? Because it's more or less for everyone, right? So if we look at the app switcher, that's that's not really a dynamics, but more for the power platform, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to figure out like, yeah, how would we really define that, right? You would go obviously into your Dynamics 365 instance. And from there, so I, I guess it is kind of a Dynamics 365 thing, but I really like it. And it's it's funny too, how quickly you get used to it because, you know, I've been writing these articles and in my free time and on the weekends, I dive into my, my sandbox that has those 2020 release wave two features enabled. And now I catch myself going into my quote unquote old instance and trying to get to the app switcher, which is obviously not in there because it's a new feature, but that's how kind of quickly you get used to that as well. The way that that works is basically you just click on, if you are in your Dynamics 365 instance, you just click on whatever the name of that app is, field service, customer service hub, uh, sales hub, right? And that brings up a full screen, a full page, I should say, with all of your Dynamics 365 apps. So those are both any custom apps that you have access to as a user, and then obviously also any any of the out-of-the-box Dynamics 365 apps that you have access to as well. But um, I and really like filtered. it. Sorry? And it's filtered to the current environment. So it's not like the home.dynamics.com where you have maybe have tons of them because you have access to a lot of environments. It can get quite confusing there for yes. me and a lot of end users. So I think this is better. Yeah, absolutely. I really... And it gives you some information as well, right? The, the old way really 
also allowed you to to pick and, and do some filtering with that. But it didn't really give you any information about the apps. Once you actually open this this page, by lack of a better word, it really allows you to kind of read what those apps are about. So I think it's a lot clearer um, for the end users, like you said, as well, for sure. And now we have a reason to enter that description, right? Exactly, exactly, absolutely. Okay, so then there are some improvements to timeline. What's yes, that? yeah. Um, the timeline improvements are, they're not as much as we got the last time, but they are still, I think they're still worth mentioning. So there is a expand all records button on the top of the timeline there. So that does exactly that. It expands all of the records, all of the activities uh, that are on the timeline. Then there, if you actually click on those three dots there, you have the ability to show email as conversation in the timeline, or you can show the email as individual messages uh, in there as well. And the other thing that might not be a big deal to some people, but I really liked that they added that is that when you are actually searching, if you're using that timeline search, which basically goes through also the content, right? So it also looks through content of email messages, et cetera, and posts and all of that. One, once you start typing into that search, the system will actually highlight the matched words in those uh, items on the timeline. So you can immediately see why some of this stuff is being returned to you in the search because those words, those matching words are being highlighted. And then lastly, and I think this is kind of a big one, is that we can now also add images to notes, which I think is pretty cool because, well, obviously we couldn't do this before, but this makes it a lot more real, right? When you're able to actually put in the images directly inside of uh, Dynamics 365 in the timeline. So I thought that that was, that was a kind of nice thing as well. And then lastly, I, I had to look around a little bit for this one because I read it and then I was like, where the heck is it? But I found it and I'm not sure if I didn't see it the first time or whatever that was. But basically, you're going to be able to reply and forward emails from the timeline. Timeline. So there's going to be a reply button, a reply to all button, uh, and a forward button when you are hovering over an email directly from the timeline. So you don't have to first open the email and then hit that reply or forward button. You can do that directly from the timeline. Yeah. So that's a lot of improvements for the timeline there, and as well the emails and. That's not the only improvement for the email, right? Because then when you do reply, then you have even more improvements on the email activity itself. Yes. Yeah. And I was kind of excited about this as well. I guess I'm I'm happy with, with tiny little things sometimes. But right, it, if you think about how much time you will save and how much more productive people are going to be. So for example, if you look at that updated compose window, which will pop up when you hit that reply or forward button, you'll see that there's there's no longer any tabs anymore. Previously, we used to have an email engagement tab and I believe a properties tab or something like that. So we don't have to go back and forth between those tabs anymore. That is now going to be all on that one screen. The other thing that I really like is if you actually want to, if you look at the body of the email where you're actually going to type in your email, you now have the ability to set that to full screen. 
right? So you don't have to look at the, the from and the two fields and the email engagements information. You can just go ahead and put that on full screen and then you can just start typing on that. The other thing that I really enjoyed was when you are now attaching a file, there is a lot less clicks. So first you had, I think it was like a three or four clicks before you could actually upload a file. And there was also a limitation where you were only able to upload a file one at a time. So you can imagine if you're sending people three attachments, that is a lot of clicking. So they fixed that as well. Now you can upload multiple files at the same time. And depending on what the file is, you can also preview those uploaded files to make sure that, right, that's exactly what you want to uh, to send there. So yeah, a lot of improvements there as well. So would you say that your recommendation is to use the email composer there instead of using, let's say, Outlook and replying and tracking there and use the one built in instead? I honestly don't think that we have to you know, tell people, I probably would also not tell people to just use one thing, which is, uh, again, kind of coming back to that productivity, right? If, if I did a presentation on this one time and I did some research on it and I found out that I believe it was about 40 or 50%. I know it was 40%. 40% of productivity actually goes out the window because people are switching back between applications. They need to do one thing over here and then they need to log out and log into another application here. And that takes a lot of time, right? So, and I think this is also kind of what Microsoft has in mind. Like if you are in Outlook and you want to work on certain items, you know, from Outlook, you can pull up Dynamics 365 information from in there and you can, right, you can start editing and adding records from your Outlook. So if you are in there, you can work in there. But if you're working in Dynamics 365 and now you need to send an email, you can do that within Dynamics 365. The nice thing, which um, this change was, I, I don't know exactly what it was. It might've been in uh, release wave one of 2020, where now if you actually send an, an, an message, an email message from Dynamics 365, you can find it again in your Outlook, in your sent items, which was something that wasn't there before. And therefore a lot of people said, you know what, I'm just gonna use Outlook because otherwise I can't go to my sent items and see what I did, right? So we now have that as well. So it doesn't really matter as much anymore where you do some of your actions, right? I think it's more of like, hey, where are you? Are you currently working in Dynamics and, and you need to send an email? We'll do it from there. Or are you just, are you working in Outlook and you need to qu very quickly update or track an email into Dynamics 365? You can do it there which is kind of great, right? That you can work wherever um, you are basically working at, at that particular point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the options because then it's not either or it's, it's really what suits you best at your point of time and your preferences, right? So Absolutely. someone lives in Outlook, let them live in Outlook. Yeah. So dashboards then. So, Unfortunately, um, I wasn't able to test this particular next one that I, that I want to talk about in my environment, but I was pretty excited when I read about this. And I believe I read about this in the Power Platform uh, section of uh, the docs.microsoft.com. But 
according to what I understood of it is that we're actually going to be able to add those Power BI uh, dashboards to Dynamics 365 as a system dashboard. So previously, you could only do this, right? You had to create your own uh, dashboard as a user dashboard, not as a system dashboard. But apparently, we should be able to, to do this very quickly where we now can configure that as system dashboard. So that's a pretty nice Nice new feature uh, as well. So, you know, not everybody has to first create their own personal dashboard and then uh, get to it that uh, in that particular way. Or the infinite sharing. So you or share it with the team. Right. And, yeah, you share it with a team and then everyone has to be on the right team. And, oh, I don't see it. I see the dashboard. Yeah. I put on the content. <laughs> I don't have and, access. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah so that's nice. That's nice. Absolutely. And then it's easier to convert Word documents to PDF. Is that right? Yeah. So we already had the ability to obviously uh, convert something into a PDF in Dynamics 365, right? We could actually create our own Word templates and then we can click that button to convert that to a PDF. So they kind of expanded on that a little bit, which I really, I, I think is is pretty cool that they did this. So um you're going to now be able to actually preview that. So, you know, once your data from Dynamics 365 has been merged with that Word template that you created and then is being converted to a PDF, you're going to be able to see those end results, which is really, really nice. And, you know, depending on obviously how you have configured your instance, you're going to be able to, first of all, either download a copy, but then you can also either, you know, save it to SharePoint or to Dynamics 365. So what this means is that if you have your particular entity that you are obviously configuring, have configured that template for, right, that Word template for. So let's say I'm on an opportunity and I have on my opportunity, I have a Word template where I can push that opportunity data into, right, my Word template. And that opportunity entity is actually to configured with SharePoint, right? I have that integration enabled. Then we're going to be able to see that save to SharePoint button. If my opportunity entity is not integrated with SharePoint, we will see a save to Dynamics 365 button and it will actually be attached to that opportunity as a note with that, obviously with that PDF there as well as an attachment. So that was kind of interesting to me because I, I, um, I, I read that later on because at the beginning I was like, you know, some of them said SharePoint, save to SharePoint, another one said save to Dynamics 365. And I was like, I wonder... Why it's different, but apparently that's that's what it was. Yeah, and and save to Dynamics, it's really big because otherwise Dynamics has always been like, yeah, you have to save it to your to your local computer, then you upload it, and if you want to edit it, you have to download it and then delete it, and then you edit it. Yeah. Oh, like, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and and also think about how much time uh, we're going to save, right? Because they can just pick any one of those templates and kind of see what that looks like versus like what you just said as well, right? Versus, okay, now I have to save it first and I have to open it. Oh gosh, I picked the wrong one. Let me do it again. Let me save it again. Oh gosh, I picked the wrong one again. So again, this really helps, uh, I believe with, uh, with productivity as well. Yeah. Have you seen anyone prefer this one to the paginated report from reporting services? 
I I haven't really read a lot about this functionality yet. Um, what I have seen or the, the feedback that I've gotten myself from people that have read some of my articles uh, was really, really good. And people are very excited about it. So Yeah, because those reports from, I mean, reporting services reports, the, yeah. the one that, okay, I want it exactly like this. They take forever yes. to develop. It's like you move and... Teeny, tiny teeny bit and now you have an empty page and you're yeah. not sure where it came from yeah that's not good <laughs> don't ask me how i know <laughs> i was gonna say this is definitely a lot easier right also i'm and i'm glad you kind of mentioned that as well um even just to you know get started with those word templates right it's so easy to to you know just grab some of that data from dynamics 365 and and, and basically just merge that into the document so absolutely that's you can just get up and running very very quickly yeah so if we get into more of the sales, um, forecasting is new uh, and there seems to be a bit of improvement still there to come, right? Yeah, um, I, it's the first thing that I noticed um, when, when I was looking at it, it, it had a, a top section on the screen that, that, that said something like um, the forecast dev definitions are gone and they are replaced by forecast configuration. So that basically means that, you know, those, those forecast definitions were, were, those are really where that forecast, the configuration was held, right? So this worried me a little bit because if you have, this is my thought, if you have forecasts that you've already set up and you're, you're using those forecast definitions, that entity, right? Um, those are gone. And now we have a new entity, which is called forecast configurations. So I looked into my, uh, my forecast, my previous forecast, and I couldn't find them. And it makes sense because again, right, it's a, it's a different, it's obviously a different entity, but it's, it's, um, there's a couple of things here that that's new. So for example, uh, you can now, there's actually a new template where you can now create a forecast for products. So we were used to being able to look at sales reps, right? How they're doing their individual performances. And now we can actually look at expected sales from a product perspective, right? So how are my products doing? And if you kind of combine that with sales insights, then you can, you know, you also have access to some additional features like uh, what is what is my trend in regards to that? What is my flow? What is my prediction for some of these products that I might be selling for the next couple of months, right? Because that gives you uh, that addition to forecasting. The other thing that I really liked, and a lot of people were asking this for quite some time, was previously you were able to go in there and take a snapshot right? Of a point in time where, okay, this is where my opportunities stand. How many do I have? And not just me, obviously, but other folks in your organization as well. And then you can take another snapshot at a later point in time, and you can kind of compare those, right? So you can say, hey, maybe the first time I took this, this snapshot, I have 5k in, you know, new deals, what happened to those new deals, right? And what happened to my old deals? And how many deals got added ever since. So you can kind of uh, look at that from those snapshots, but now you can actually automate those snapshots. And if you turn that on, then the system, I believe it is, uh, it's a daily snapshot that's going to be 
automatically taken during a six-hour time uh, window. So that was kind of interesting as well. And that's really interesting because everyone want to know compared to, okay, are we better than last year? Are we worse than last year? Yeah. And that was really painful before. Yeah, and not having to go back in, right? Because that's what we have to do today. I got to set my something on my calendar to make sure that I'm actually taking that snapshot. But now you can just automate that and you don't even have to look at that anymore, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So if we continue with the customer service, then are there any news there? Yes. So customer service, and we kind of talked earlier about, right, that there were some enhancements for emails. Well, there is also one that is in regards to customer service. If you actually open up that compose window, right, when you want to reply or forward or create a new email message, there is now a button in there that says insert knowledge article. So we previously were able to do this when we were on a case record. We would, you know, you could just go ahead and click the button and then pop that article into an email. But now you don't have to do that from within a case. You can just be in the customer service hub, open up, that compose email window and just click that button, pick the article and search for the article that you want to find, pick it and drop it right inside of your email. So that's, I I thought that was a very nice feature. Um, You know, a lot of it used to be copy and pasting and then it didn't come across the right way. So I think this is a very nice feature that they added to the emails for customer service. Do you know if it's available elsewhere or you have to be in this specific app? That is a really good question. I don't think I checked, but I can, I'm actually here in my field service right now while we're talking. So let me see. Of if course I can you are. See. Of course I am, right? I'm crazy. <laughs> Have you been everywhere in Dynamics? Then of course you're always connected to your like, this is my environment. I just happen to sit here. Right. I, yeah. I usually have like 20 tabs open and three different uh, browsers yeah. open so that we can kind of, right? Yeah, because when people you have different it. environments, so you can cannot really combine them, right? Correct. That is yeah. correct. Yeah. So a lot of it is, is like you said, right? You just hop in and out of environments. And, and it's kind of nice too, because, you know, I can kind of compare, you know, what did we have before and what do we have now? Because Microsoft does a really... They have a, they do a good job in showing right on the Microsoft.doc site, like everything that's new. But then when you're trying to find it, sometimes I'm like, I have to really compare and look at like the, the previous version, right? The before 2020 release wave one version and the new one. And usually that's when I find it. It's like, oh, look at that. That wasn't there before because sometimes it's not always as clear. So I'm currently in uh, field service and I just opened a compose window and it is right here. My guess is that that is a feature of Dynamics 365 customer service, but because I have access to everything, that might be why I'm seeing that insert knowledge article there. That's my guess. Yeah, so it's improvement to email functionality, but from the customer service app. So it proves emails everywhere then perhaps. That's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and going back to your browser, I um, I, I enjoyed the, the profile feature of Chrome because then you can sort of, okay, yes. let's open a new profile. Then I can sign in again to to some other pal- platform 
Power Platform or Dynamics environment and don't really have to be bothered with this. Oh, you have to sign out because now we don't know where you are. And yeah, that just gets in the pain. And it's so funny you said that because, yeah, I have about, you know, uh, 10 profiles for Mm, each of my different environments. And then I just have them, you know, save that password and then just update that password every like 30 days. Uh, But I don't have to remember it because, like you said, it's in the profile, which is so nice. Yeah. And and of course, uh, you, you before I I know that I I tried incognito, but you can only really have two then the the normal one and then the incognito one. And Correct. Yeah, and if you close incognito, oh, I had some in the history. No, it's not in the history. <laughs> You're not <laughs> sure where you are. Incognito. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. All right. So, are they what smart assist? So. <clears throat> What Microsoft did is they actually came out with a new app for customer service. It's called Customer Service Workspace app. And I just wanted to mention that, you know, to your listeners that this is in preview, right? So this is a great time for everybody to kind of take a look at that. So that's really where that new feature, Smart Assist, comes in. Now, the way that that works is you first have to to turn that on because there is a section uh, in Dynamics 365 for customer service. And I don't know from the top of my head where exactly that is, but that is where you can turn on that system automatically uh, using AI capabilities and basically showing you when you're on a case record, any cases that are kind of similar to the case that you're working on, but also any of the knowledge base articles that could be relevant to that particular article. So first you would have to turn that on. And then after you turn that on, then you can go into that new customer service workspace app. And then if you open a case by uh, creating basically a new session, and you can do that by hitting the shift key down on your keyboard and then clicking on uh, a link, right? So that could be a case record, right? What happens is it actually opens a new session on the side of that particular app. So if, I'm not sure if anybody is familiar with Omnichannel, but it's basically very similar to Omnichannel. It's going to add a session on the left side of the screen. So you're going to have tabs on the left side of the screen and they're going to stack underneath each other, basically. Those are called sessions. Now, if you open a case in a session, you're, you're going to be able to see that Smart Assist is going to open up in this other pane, I think it's called a productivity pane or something like that, where you're going to see those similar cases and you're going to see those knowledge base articles related to that case uh, that you're working on. So it's all pretty, pretty cool stuff, all new stuff um, as well. Uh, But I think it's definitely worth to, um, to kind of look at that. The other thing that I wanted to mention is that when you're looking in, you're looking at case case records and account, and I believe contacts as well, you'll see that there is a new type of form. And I forgot what it was called. It was something like a multi-session. I think it's a multi-session form is what they call it. So you will see that in the form sections, like I said, under account and contact and cases as well. Now, I thought, okay, is this a new sort of form that we can only use in these apps that have those multi-session type of functionality? Um, Actually, no. 
what those forms are, are they're just regular forms that are just cleaned up so that there's more, more room on that form for that smart assist pane that can be, you know, collapsed and, and expanded as well. So when you're kind of playing around with that customer service workspace app, you can still use the same forms that you're using throughout your application. You just have to obviously add those forms to the app so that you have access to it. Microsoft said, we just added these these forms so that they're a little bit more cleaned up and it's might be easier for you to use. So currently, because like I said, I thought, okay, so I want to use those sessions in my customer service hub and in my sales hub, right? I want to be able to do multi-sessions. You can't do that today. We can only have multi-sessions in that new customer service workspace preview app and in Omnichannel. Now, they are looking into being able to add it in other spaces or places as well in Dynamics 365, but that's not yet with this release, so... All right, so there are interesting times to come, right? Absolutely. We haven't gotten to the bottom of our to-do list. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and everything here, it's it's in the unified interface, right? So if you're on the legacy web interface, nothing here is really for you, right? Yeah, I, I'm not sure everything, but probably close to 99%. I Yeah, I, I would definitely... I could, so maybe the app switcher is still there because yeah, that's basically that, for everyone. It's I haven't really looked at it or checked. I mean, it's funny too, because if you go to docs.microsoft.com, I think it says it under each individual feature, like, hey, this only works for the unified uh, interface. And, and, and I'm so glad that you brought this up too, because I think maybe some people are... are maybe kind of forgetting a little bit about the fact that, hey, you know, December 1st, is coming, you know, blink with your eyes twice, and it's going to be December 1st. And that is the cutoff date, right? That you have to make sure that you are on the unified interface before that date, because Microsoft is turning the legacy interface off, and your organization is going to have to start using the uh, the unified interface. So definitely pay attention to that. Yeah, and and they're making it a, lo- a little bit easier to transition as well right, or new now because they got some transition service. Is that right? Yeah, I believe you can actually search for, and I forgot what the terminology was. If you search for uh, Dynamics V65, what was it called again? They have uh, FAQs where if you have certain questions about the transition to the unified interface, like what is it? How do you move to the unified interface? You can actually Google unified interface playbook that actually has a lot of information on it um, that basically tells you, you know, how to initiate, uh, how to do the transition to optimize all of that type of information is, uh, is all in there. Yeah. So it's about time. Yes. Yes. You're missing out if you're not using unified interface for sure. Yeah, and that means also that the old Outlook client, that one that you installed on your PC or, or what, yeah, on your PC, that's yeah. going away as well, right? Absolutely, and it's kind of funny because I think it was last year where they kind of wanted to get rid of it, and then there was so much pushback. So they said, "Okay, we're gonna, you know, have you guys keep it for a little bit longer." Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not deprecating sure. It. If- yeah, exactly. I think that I saw an article 
a couple of weeks ago where they said, well, officially it's been deprecated, but yeah, you definitely want to make sure that you, uh, you get on the new or the new, it's not that new anymore, obviously. Right. But the, uh, app for outlook and for sure the unified interface as well as soon as possible. It's, it's the other one that that's old. Yes, That's very, very sure. old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So if I want to know more about the 2020 release wave two, where do I go? So I wrote so far uh, five articles about it, and I try to be de- as detailed as possible. So if you want to go to my blog, which is d365goddess.com, or you can go ahead and try to find me on YouTube as well. That is youtube.com slash D365Goddess. All of the videos are there uh, as well. So you can read up all about it. Nice. So you have had so many subscribers that you actually got to pick your name. Congratulations. I did. I did. It was great. Yeah, nice one. And of course, everyone can go to the dark stair everything is listed and all of the changes and when it's coming because not everything is coming October 1st. Correct. It's a six-month release schedule here now. So this is just preparation. Absolutely. And is and I'm so glad you mentioned that as well because I think people need to understand that, that if you go to that docs.microsoft.com site, it is a living thing, right? It, it changes. So I you actually have the ability... On the bottom of the page, it says download PDF. I I usually do that. I I take that PDF and then I go back and then you'll see that certain things might have changed and things have been added and some things may have been taken out or release dates might have changed. So definitely keep that that in mind and and visit those pages uh, as well. And I think the documentation is written in GitHub. So that's version control. So I mean... They yeah. probably have a history there as well. So if you're really interested to check what's changed, um, go there. Absolutely. Um, do you have any public speaking scheduled? Perhaps yes. at least virtually nowadays. Yeah, it's. I know. I, I do miss speaking in person. But yes, definitely. I actually just got asked for the CRMUG meeting in Kansas City, which is going to be October 1st. And that's also about the October release. That's going to be, let me see. Yeah, that's going to be October 1st. I already said that. And then I'm going to speak at the Dynamics 365 Saturday on October 17th, which is also on the October uh, wave. So you can go to events.powercommunity.com and then you will see uh, the October wave two in the list uh, on there as well. So please sign up and come see us. Uh, who would you like to recommend as a future guest on this on this podcast? I think you probably want to talk to to Trisha Trisha Sinclair. She just got her MVP at the beginning of this month, and she is doing so so much. I don't even know how she does it. She's organizing a lot of stuff. She's doing blog articles. She's presenting. Um, very very talented girl. Uh, very good friend of mine as well. I actually met her uh, last. Oh gosh, I think it was February when we were still doing in-person uh, presentations in Tampa. So um, yeah, she's doing a lot on uh, Omnichannel as well. Definitely my go-to person as well if I need to find out something about Omnichannel as well. Very talented. All right then. So then everyone go to d65goddess.com and then you have like, is it four now parts on the release notes? 
I have five articles now. Yeah. <laughs> five articles now. It's yes. It's crazy. And then a couple of YouTube videos discussing this. And of course, your channel, youtube.com slash D3 DC. Oh, that's hard today. <laughs> D365 Goddess. That's it. Thank you, Deanne Taylor, for your participation in Serum Rocks. And thank you so much for having me. It was great. And thanks to you for listening. And don't forget, you can just subscribe to Serum Rocks to search for it in your favorite podcasting app. And if you want to comment, go to serumrocks.com and comment there. And see you next time on Serum Rocks.